I'm Trisha Real, also known as Trish the Dish. And I'm Isaac Bluefoot. And this is Salty Astrology. A single pinch is never enough. Yeah, I mean, buckets. Salt licks. <laughs> I know the reason why we use the verbiage that things are loose, and I'm really salty about it, because I think it stems from the marketability of astrology. That astrology needs to be marketed so that the astrologers can make a living. <laughs> and in the same way that a science journalist just dumbs down science so that the basic readers can get this really idiotic understanding, but it's not the dumbing down of science in that case for the sake of the scientists, it's really the dumbing down of science for the sake of the science journalists who want to make another headline and get paid for making their headlines. And to me, astrology, even though I completely am salty about it, I know what parts of it are very real in my life. And it generally, when we market it to the public, the public gets marketed with ideas of, what's your sun sign? Which feeds into their egos. And the public gets told only about new moons and full moons. And for the most part, they only get told about full moons. We tend to just gloss over all of the aspects throughout the month. And in turn, we get language like, it's a loose trine. It was very tight at the moment that it happened. It was a real trine. It yeah. was not less of a trine. But we use the language loose trine because, well, now that we're at the full moon, it's not as tight as it was. Well, and I want to talk about it, but I'm not going to include the holistic understanding of the month. So in general, I just get very frustrated that terminology like a loose trine or what's your sign as a general term when we're referring to your sun sign mm -hmm. is just a place where what is actually could be a science is dumbed down into a few little markers and weird phrases mm -hmm. that don't actually capture it so that the masses can grasp it so that we can sell the product. Right. Well, people are more aware of the moon and the moon cycle and its effect on the tides and on the reproductive cycle of a female and they can see that as kind of legitimate. So that's a good place to start because it has an obvious bearing on people on Earth. And that's why I hope that Salty Astrology can paint a picture of the entire month and give people kind of a sense of how it moves throughout the month and not just at the key moments of new moons and full moons. And so hence, when I hear the term loose trine, I'm like, wait, 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 slow down. Let's tell them when it was tight, rather than telling them, oh, it's a loose one now, because it makes it feel like less of a aspect. Sure. I think the last time we talked about the Mercury making a trine to Uranus and Mercury was very close to Mars. So it was inferred, but not maybe specified. Yeah, and I just hope that when people are getting the monthly forecast, that they're given a chance to visualize the shape of it rather than give the gestural quick wave of the hand of there it all is in the full moon, which I think we do really well yeah, month I, to month. It's good to you know focus on certain points. Like last episode, we talked about Pluto's entry into Aquarius. That was not happening on the new or the full moon. It was kind of you know in between. But it was a significant transition, and that's uh, cool. 
Yeah, and that's what I hope we can keep doing. <laughs> I only wanted to bring this up because I just feel like so often, as you were mentioning before we started recording, people were asking you, hey, I'm this sun sign and my girlfriend's this sign. Are we compatible? <laughs> and I just think that that's another example of that's not actually how this works. This is just something that you picked up due to the marketing of astrology. Yeah, I mean, it's really simplistic to talk only about a person's sun sign because maybe they have their sun in Aquarius, but they might have a ton of Earth in their chart. Or, you know, maybe they've got a lot of planets in one of the signs that are next to their sun sign. So they might have more Capricorn or more Pisces. And I like to just always remind everyone that we have all 12 signs in our chart because it is a wheel and that we are not neglecting having those as part of us because what makes us a whole being is that we are that entire spectrum, each of us. Sure. And certain parts are a little more highlighted because yeah. of when we were born. So, yes. Emphasized. Emphasized, But, but yes. when we start thinking that the ones that aren't emphasized are non-existent, we start falling into the traps of believing that we are not part of the whole and that we're some fragment of a being. <laughs> and that I just, again, I think the marketing of astrology has not always been a service to the science of yeah, astrology. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So with all that salt mining behind us, let's talk about where the listeners are at when this episode comes out. They're just coming into the quarter moon. Yeah, which will be, you know, February 2nd third it's waning uh yes it's a waning quarter moon on february 2nd third we did talk a little bit about it in our last episode it's kind of interesting because the sun of course sun and moon will be square each other the sun will be squaring uranus and the moon will be opposing uranus so this is a little bit of a rebellious energy yeah. Um, <laughs> Uranus is the table tosser and the innovator. Mm -hmm. And it's coming into direct tension with both our egos. And I can never summarize the moon in a single word, but I think of it as like the emotional core. Mm -hmm. In that the way our abdomen is our core strength, the moon I think of as being that equivalent to our person. It, but it's an emotional core strength. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, being that Uranus is the planet of change, a, a constructive outlet for the rebellious energy would be thinking outside the box. So that's one of the main things going on at the last waning quarter moon. So something that I really am trying to adopt from you that you mentioned in another episode, mm -hmm. which is trying to look at the oppositions like balances rather than collisions. And in this case, it's the moon in what sign is it in? The moon will be in Scorpio. And although, you know, I like that you're saying let's not see oppositions as a collision, but this is a particular T-square. So that's really a point of challenge. Changing the physical world and then making changes in your material world and your financial world. There's all this kind of ground it through changing. Okay, but Uranus is a slow-moving planet. So... It's been in Taurus for a while, and it's not like, oh my god, it's in Taurus this entire time. The physical world is changing so extremely. No, but it gets the activated by certain aspects. Aspect, yes. Mm -hmm. I do tend to focus more on the new and full moon. So 
even though you had expressed all your salt at the very beginning uh, about that, I still have that focus. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> hard not to have that focus because the full and new moons are the ones that we can observe in the sky so easily. Right, and it makes sense to people. They can focus on, oh yes, this is the new moon. This is a good time for me to start a new cycle or initiate a new thing. I just don't want it being so flattened out that we forget to not mention the things like a square between the sun and Uranus that's happening during the quarter moon. Yeah. So is there anything else happening before we get to the new moon? Well, Venus is in Capricorn and it has been for a little bit and it is making a square 90 degree angle to Chiron and Aries. This is also going to be happening at the new moon and Chiron is known as the wounded healer. And so with it making a square to Venus, there may be a need for healing and integration and balance. Uh, we might feel the need to heal some of our traumas, something that's related to the Venus world, to finances, self-esteem, the things we love, our art, that kind of thing. So uh, that's one thing going on. Okay, so that pretty much just brings us around to the new moon again. Yeah. And the new moon is going to be happening on February 9th at 2.59 p.m., so almost 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. New moon in Aquarius. Exactly. It's going to be at 20 degrees of Aquarius, if, uh, for those who want to know. And it's also February 10th is officially the Chinese New Year. So this always happens at the Aquarian new moon every year. We have a new Chinese New Year. And this is the year of the wood dragon. The wood dragon year is said to foster growth, progress, and abundance. So that's cool. And with the wood dragon, they say we can build solid foundations for something new with long-term potential. So, um, and the last wood dragon year was 60 years ago in 1964. So, happy birthday to the 1964 kids. <laughs> so, this week I actually have a little bit of salt about how we have different astrological systems that are based on completely different things. <laughs> you mean and the Chinese astrological system exactly. versus the Western astrological system? Yeah, there's, you know, the Chinese, there's the Vedic, there's the Western, there's the Mayan. They're all different astrological systems. They're all valid in different ways, but they're based on different things. And they're also culturally based. So it just is a little much to, um, I don't know how Process? to say well, yeah, I mean, the Chinese system is pretty much based on the cycle of Jupiter, mm -hmm. uh, which is cool. But then there's things like their perception of pigs. They think pigs are super clean. And, you know, in the West, we're like, oh, we don't really think that when we think of pigs. And I've noticed that it's interesting that doesn't Vedic astrology have 12 signs? They do, but they also have 27 nakshastras. Yes, but they still have a spectrum of 12. And that the Chinese astrology has its own spectrum of 12. Uh -huh. And it's interesting that there's a certain thing that's common when you start breaking down a spectrum of 12. And though the opinion of a pig might vary <laughs> from one culture to another culture, sure. I feel like there's a lot of core meanings that somehow just translated across both Chinese astrology and Western astrology. Mm -hmm. One place where I find it somewhat easy to find an entry point is to line up tiger with lion. 
because a tiger and a lion aren't that far off from yeah. each other. Meow. And following tiger is rabbit, which does have a lot of Virgoian energies. And following rabbit is dragon. And though it may not seem immediately that dragon is a Libra energy, once you get to snake, you're like, well, there's some Scorpio. And then you get to horse and you're like, well, that's definitely some Sagittarius energy. And then you get to goat and you're like, well, here's Capricorn. And then you get to monkey and you're like, okay, yeah, monkey is not that different than a water bearing, innovating game changer. And rooster line somehow lines up with Pisces. Dog is definitely some Aries energy. If you've ever met a dog, you know. <laughs> and I just feel that there's a something to it that the wheels do line up. And in this case, I do believe pig is Taurus. Yeah. So, anywho, we have the Chinese New Year happening around this new moon. And we have some other great aspects, too. So, as I said, the sun and moon will be conjunct at 20 degrees Aquarius. And they are going to be squaring Uranus and Taurus. So, it sort of brings the uh, energy from the waning quarter moon into the new moon. So here we might be able to solve problems that require us to think outside the box. And uh, Aquarius is very futuristic sign, so we can look to the future with a new vision. It's a good time to brainstorm, socialize. Bring the community together. Yep. We can express platonic love to our friends, break away from old habits even develop some objectivity about the past. And the new moon squaring Uranus, you know, it's got this very rebellious energy, impulsive, abrupt, innovative energy. And, you know, it's also, it's fixed. It's a fixed square. So we might need to watch for being overly stubborn. Will we? Yeah. I mean, for instance, my neighbor rubs Elmer's glue on his hands like lotion. Oh, no. <laughs> I know, it's really weird. And he does this before he goes hunting. Uh -huh. Yeah, I know, it's really weird. And I've tried to talk him out of it, but he's stubborn and he's really sticking to his guns on this one. <laughs> so the sun and moon are also making a harmonious sextile to Chiron and the North Node and Aries. So this, you know, the lore is that it could present an opportunity for personal growth, self-discovery. We could find healing through self-acceptance and that could be helpful. Mm, that's what we were just kind of alluding to last episode. Yeah, well, we, yeah. We were alluding to the relationship that Chiron and the, North the Node, Node are going through at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, sounds like a good place to make deeper progress towards our higher selves, to be honest, because the North Node being that larger arc that we're all going towards, springboarding off the South Node, and Chiron being kind of like those deeper lessons we're learning as a child. Well, it's not just as a child. Wherever you have Chiron in your chart, it's the place where you have the greatest healing potential. Oh. And so, uh, yeah. Because you have direct experience in those injuries. Whatever those injuries may be. They may not be real injuries. They might be emotional injuries. Well, yeah, that's the <laughs> injuries I'm usually talking about when I'm talking about astrology, to be honest. <laughs> 
So another thing that's happening as we approach the new moon is that Saturn is going to be making its sextile to Jupiter exactly from February 5th to the 8th, 9th, 10th. Oh. Yeah. And we've been talking about this. Uh, Saturn is the planet of life lessons, limitation, structure, form, and making a harmonious aspect to Jupiter, which is the planet of expansion and luck. Uh, here, uh, things could really start coming together. So pretty much from February 5th to the 10th, it's growth through cautious expansion. Yeah, it's actual practical growth, you might even say. Yeah. Rather than just being the like willy-nilly like woohoo expanding, it's directed, pragmatically oriented growth going on. Yeah, good timing, sound judgment, optimistic, yet realistic. It's also could be an excellent time for wealth creation or opportunities for more responsibility, even for a promotion. Speaking of promotions, I mean, it's not personal, but, you know, one of our local roofing companies is having a great promotion right now. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, if you buy one roof, the next one is on the house. <laughs> <laughs> Jupiter, the planet of luck and expansion, is also going to be making a square to Mercury at this new moon. Mercury's at seven degrees of Aquarius and Jupiter is at eight degrees of Taurus. So they're making a pretty strong square. So this could be over-optimistic and enthusiastic communication. <laughs> I tend to look at that square as when the big ideas aren't being well communicated, that there's just these big concepts that are going to be hard to say. And, you know, this is still very much a transition from the Pluto moving from Capricorn to Aquarius because we still have a bunch of planets in Capricorn. Venus and Mars are in the later degrees of Capricorn at the new moon on February 9th. Pluto and Mercury are pretty close together in Aquarius, and of course the Sun and Moon in Aquarius. So this is a kind of a stellium where there's all these planets that are in one area. And so it's kind of a focus on the transition from the past to the future. Because of the Capricornian to the New Agey kind of energies of Aquarius, you mean to say? Yeah. So hitting up on new innovations for the whole stellium. Yes, and still having to transition from the past. Yeah, so. carry that energy through. Yeah. Wow. I think this is happening in my second and third house. So that is going to bring a chance for me to have an emphasis on both how my physical world and my communication come together. I'm not so sure how that lines up from this perspective, because these days I'm just shoulder to the wheel of producing podcasts <laughs> so who knows maybe someone will hear our podcasts yay <laughs> i hope that's happening so you've got aquarius is a third house in, in your my chart? third house it doesn't land on any cusp somehow because of mm -hmm. the elliptic but it is literally the entire house except for the cusps on either side uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, so that's communication. That's podcasts. That's, yeah, no, that's yeah. definitely in the communication realm. It's also like in learning information. So getting data kind of somehow lands into that realm. Mm -hmm. At least knowing from the third house sons that I know, a good way of phrasing it is that their favorite book is an encyclopedia. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so I can expect that it's a good time for me to maybe learn new things and communicate ideas and connect with my siblings even. 
Hey, yeah, because the third house also rules siblings and short journeys, the conscious mind. Yeah, I so, like to also yeah. say sibling-like relationships because there's some people that we adopt as siblings. Oh, yeah. And they end up having more of a third house influence than a seventh or an eleventh house influence. Mm -hmm. For yeah. sure. I have been adopted by many. <laughs> so we also have some other cool things happening at the new moon. Venus is making a very, very, very close trine to Uranus. So Venus it's going to make a eventually exact trine. Well, it, it right? actually, the exact trine probably happened a couple of days before the new moon. I'd have to look exactly. But, but my point being, we're going to still feel a precise trine yeah. during this time. It's just not going to be on the day of the new moon. Right. Hence yeah. my assault at the beginning of this episode. Well, I mean, they're two degrees apart. It's still a very close trine. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. I'm not that salty about that. I'm not <laughs> yeah. that salty. I'm just saying, when you're like, oh, it's close, I'm like, no, no, no. It will be precise when it's precise. It just won't be precise two days after it was precise. Mm -hmm. It's still a valid trine. Yeah, and sometimes what they say with uh, astrology is that you'll feel the aspect more potently as it is approaching its exact conjunction or trine or square. In this case, we have Venus at 21 degrees of Capricorn, which is an Earth sign, and Uranus at 19 degrees of Taurus. That's also an Earth sign. So they are making an, a pretty close to... Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're perfect the way they are, Trish. You need to stop judging them. <laughs> yeah. So this is a really exciting and unique social time period. It's got vibrant, refreshing energy. We might have the urge to try something new and creativity could be stimulated. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, from experience, know some farmers and this is the time when they're starting to think about getting what they're going to get planted into the ground. This is the time that the community starts coming together to organize the seeds and start planning the future cycle of the garden. Planning, not planting, yeah. You know, my birthday is on February 3rd, and that's usually around Candlemas, or also known as Imbolc. And so what I do, since my birthday happens right after Groundhog's Day, either I'm dressing as a groundhog, or if I do have a uh, sort of celebration, I ask other people to give me their wishes, because oh. it's like a wish for the future, so. Yeah, what are the intentions for planting at Imbolc? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've attended one of those parties, at least one. <laughs> So, yeah, and then uh, Mars is still in trine with Uranus. A very, quote-unquote, loose trine. Yeah, because... I don't think we mentioned it last episode, but we could have because it was precise on the 29th. I, I looked it up when I noticed this was in the notes. I was like, wait a minute, that's a very loose trine, and <laughs> kind of inspired my opening salt, so, yeah. admittedly. So yeah, so this trine is still going on. Mars is the planet of passion and action. Uranus is the planet of change. And so here we would, you know, still have some of this harmonious integration of the progressive with action-oriented forces. And it brings in new experiences and, uh, and change. Speaking of change, do you know why Lieutenant Worf from Star Trek changed his hair color? I do not. It, it, because it was a good day to die. <laughs> and he can call to his brothers in Stovacor. 
Besides a very loose trine with Uranus, Mars is also gonna sextile Neptune? Yeah, and that's pretty sweet. It can bring in more intuition, healing energy. Acting on intuition? Sure, yeah. Quest for spiritual truth. We could have acts of kindness and compassion. So that's helpful. I love it when humanity does that. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Those are the main things that I wanted to talk about in regard to the new moon on February 9th. But there are some cool things happening soon after the new moon as we approach the waxing quarter moon. Yeah, let's get into that. <laughs> I'm looking at February 15th in specific. It's not the quarter moon, but it's approaching the quarter moon, you know, right after Valentine's Day. And the thing that I'm really liking about February 15th is that Jupiter, the Moon, and Uranus are all conjunct in Taurus. Ooh. And now this is kind of a nod to the big Jupiter-Uranus conjunction that's going to happen exactly on April 20th. Because right now, Jupiter is approaching Uranus, but it's not going to be in orb until around March 20th. So from March 20th to May 20th is the window in which we have the Jupiter-Uranus conjunction with April 20th being exact. So here, we're getting a little bit of an integration because the moon is bringing them together. Oh, interesting. And what is the precise orb of a conjunction? Well, an orb is basically eight degrees. So when planets are within eight degrees of orb to each other, and when it's a conjunction, a square, or an opposition, that counts as being within orb. There are different kinds of aspects where that eight degree orb does not relate. Like, you know, if it's a yacht or a quincunx, it's only two degrees. They're more specific. But with squares and conjunctions and oppositions, it's an eight degree orb. So I'm seeing here in front of me as I look at the chart for the 16th of February that Uranus is going to be at 19 degrees of Taurus and Jupiter is at 9 degrees of Taurus. So they're just a couple degrees of being within orb still. They're 10 degrees apart then, but on February 15th, the moon is going to be right in the middle of the two of them. Oh, bridging the gap. Exactly. Oh, I see what painting yeah. you're illustrating for us. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And it's kind of a preview of what the Uranus-Jupiter conjunction is going to be like in the spring. Uranus conjuncts Jupiter about once every 14 years. So this is kind of cool. It's a rare and exciting aspect. And bring opportunities and we might be able to set new ambitious goals and steadily work towards them. Uh, just to give an example of my own chart. Yeah. 14 years ago is when I started becoming a puppeteer. Oh, who knew? My entire life transformed 14 years ago and in great ways that I am so loving to this day. So who knows what's in store for us yeah. this time? Yeah. Uranus kind of brings in that experimental vibe so we can embrace innovation and change. And being that both of these planets are going through Taurus, it could actually bring financial abundance and opportunities that would be unexpected. Yeah, or I want to also point out, depending on where Taurus is in one's chart, it might likely flavor that part of the chart and not just the, the physical belongings of Taurus, but actually, for instance, myself, that's going to be in my seventh house. 
So I might find something going on in my one-on-one -on -one relationships mm -hmm. rather than my physical abundance. Yeah, for me, I will be getting a Jupiter return in my eighth house. The eighth house has to do with the uh, altered states of consciousness, partners, resources, inheritances, legacies, death. So anything could happen. It could be that, you know, I win the lottery. <laughs> That's the one I'm focusing on. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. But, you know, with the eighth house, you don't know. Yeah. Well, so I'm funny to... you should mention that. I like to think the eighth house is the house of the things that you just can't actually talk about. Because Taurus is the house of all the things that are so tangible and so real. Mm -hmm. And we often think of eighth house as being, oh, everything that is collectively owned. And I'm like, well, yeah, maybe. But to me, it's more like the stuff that you can't actually grasp, literally, at all. Yeah. So death, sex, money, power. Sure, people like to say they're experts of these topics, but come on. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess we'll see about that, how that goes. I think that's the thing that I'm most... I really hope you win the lottery. Me too. Yeah. 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 And everybody who has that alignment, <laughs> I hope you all win the lottery. Yeah. And, you know, there's also some really cool things on the 13th and 14th as we approach this waxing quarter moon, Venus will be conjuncting Pluto and Aquarius and Mars too. The Mars conjuncting Pluto will have been exact on February 13th and 14th. So I'm sure it's going to be an unusual and deep, possibly experimental Valentine's Day. <laughs> Interesting to see that the planet that brings power dynamics is right there amidst <laughs> the couple of the Zodiac. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> this is going to be... <laughs> interesting and i can't wait to hear what people tell us about that week for them so that we can report back anonymously <laughs> when we find out yeah Yay! yeah <laughs> awesome well i think that pretty much covers it and brings everyone up to the page of where they're going to be at when the next episode comes out or gives them a very broad and abstract and only discernible in hindsight idea <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that said, we make lots of things besides an astrology podcast. It's true. I have three Zephram Gates books that are fictional novels that are fabulous. They're inspired by the Harry Potter books, and they are hysterical. They're both funny and environmentally conscious. Yes, also true. And uh, What age group do you write them for? Well, I say it's for the tweens, but it's really my adult friends who like the stories the best. And you can listen to them on audiobook, uh, which is really fun. There's three whole stories, big, giant, novels. epic novels that yeah. are on audiobook. You can also get them on paper if you like reading books yeah. on paper, right? True. Like this is a published book. Yeah. And where do they go find this? You can go to Audible, you can go to Amazon, really pretty much wherever you go to find books or audiobooks. They're, Are there they're, links they're on your website? Yes. What's your website, Trish? Well, it's ZephramGates.com. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to go that out of you. Yeah. I mean, I also have an astrological website. For those people who would like me to do an astro-rhyming poem for their babies, their kids, their friends' kids, or if they just really want an actual astrological chart reading. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I will also let people know they can find more of my work besides doing this podcast. I have several podcasts with the Kinetic Paranormal Society, mm -hmm. and I have yet another podcast of my own 
the unauthorized biography of Clark Kent, Superman, Son of L, that you find at sonoflpodcast.com. So anyways, yeah, lots of things that we like to create and share, and this is just one little thing. So, uh, if everyone's enjoying this, you can definitely stroke our egos by rating and reviewing on any platform that you're on, especially if you are on Apple Podcasts, because for some reason people tend to read those podcast reviews more than the others, and it would be incredibly helpful, and please continue sharing it with your friends because it really validates us as creators <laughs> and authors. Yeah, and subscribe. Yeah, definitely, definitely subscribe. We're gonna keep bringing you these reports until our lives become overwhelming <laughs> and this just becomes a lower priority. <laughs> but you can stop that from happening by building up our fan base so that this show is just naturally our highest priority. But it's not there yet. So hey, <laughs> we'll stay salty, you guys stay great. <laughs> Bye.